KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Gutterworks. Here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, good Saturday, good grief. We're off and running. It is a two-hour home improvement show today on University of KMOX. Scott Mosby sitting at the microphone. We are sharing and talking about all things important in the remodeling industry. Uh, I will be uh, offering 10 phone lines open, 10 lines open for you right now, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. Two hours, bring it on. It's all about you your questions, your topics, your answers. Uh, we do have a kitchen seminar coming up July 13th at Roth Living. This is a very special event. Food is involved. Cooking is involved. Eating is involved. Kitchen discussions, appliances, cooktops, backsplashes, lighting, countertops, cabinetry, flooring, colors, coordination, entertaining, and feeding the Indians on an everyday basis. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about. If you want to sign up for that kitchen seminar, uh, check into the website, callmosby.com or 314-909-1800. Today, right now, two hours with a special guest in the studio. More on that later. We've got lots of things to talk about. Phone lines for you right now. So lonely sitting here in this studio. 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. Bring your topics. It is now the heat of the summer upon us. Lots of heat and humidity. Yeah, it's good old St. Louis close right here on Camwax. Again, phone lines wide open for you. 314-436-7900 and 800-925-1120. So much to talk about. Right now, we have a special guest in the studio. Elvis is... In the building with us now, Mark McClanahan, very close to me. Uh, He is the president of Mosby Building Arts, uh, primarily responsible for everything good that happens in my company. And I'm very pleased to introduce Mark McClanahan. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, You're here with an interesting moniker. You carry a good bit of uh, information about the remodeling industry, uh, very active on the national basis. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit, uh, but uh, thank you for coming down, giving up time with your family. I know you've had a little bit of vacation this week. I have. It's been really great. Oh, it doesn't, doesn't happen too often, but yes, I've taken advantage of a nice week off. Be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. I huh? know, right? Yeah. Well, we've had some decent weather, I suppose. Anything fun you've been doing for the past week? Well, well one of my daughters, uh, Molly, she turned 19 on oh. Monday, so we celebrated that. Uh, my wife and I went to Herman, Missouri, enjoyed some of wine country, which I found really interesting that um, Stonehill, which is a winery uh, there, uh, which started in, I think, in 1863 or something like that. Um, before Prohibition, was the third largest winemaker in the world, producing over six million, I think, six million bottles of wine a year. Before Prohibition, I had no idea. Yeah, either did I. Fascinating. Oh uh, your daughter Ma- Maggie, your, your daughter Maggie, is with us as well too. Yes, she uh, she's is. a silent partner in this uh, a day of uh, radio. Yes, I'm glad yeah. to have her here. Yeah. Now, uh, Mark, uh, you're part of uh, the Harvard Remodeling Futures Committee, uh, which is kind of a heady group. Uh, uh, full disclosure, I've never been in the room. They didn't invite me. They wanted Mark, the smart guy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a great group. I've been with them for just about a little bit over three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it is comprised of about 70 organizations who have any interest in the remodeling business. The remodeling business is really, really large. It's mm-hmm. a $450 billion industry. 
Um, so you can imagine there's a lot of companies who are interested in the health of the industry. And so companies like um, manufacturers, Pella, Kohler, James Hardy, those are companies you'll see in the room. You'll see organizations like uh, National Association of Realtors, uh, Home Builders Association. They're in the room. Um, the U.S. government's there with the U.S. Census Bureau and um, the Labor um, Department as well. Um, then there's companies like us, Mosby Building Arts, uh, remodeling companies who have obviously an interest in, in the company. And then there's financial companies, Wells Fargo, Synchrony, all sorts of companies really interested in the health of our um, of our industry because it's a big industry. Yeah, and it's part of the national, you know, GDP, you know, gross domestic product. I mean, we employ a lot of people, and I, I guess, I guess it's important to keep it healthy, huh? It really is. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that a little bit more. Thank you for coming in and uh, talking to us. We've got a little bit of. Uh, all uh, boots on the ground knowledge about uh, the modeling industry, what's happening in St. Louis, things like that. So, again, thanks for joining us this morning. Glad to be here. Thanks, Scott. Mark McClanahan, president of Mosby Building Arts. We've got phone lines open for you. Any questions for Mark or me, whatever, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. Remember, this is your show. Bring on your topics. We can talk about air conditioning, servicing, uh, changing uh, filters, uh, high MERV filters, you know, the the filtration number behind it. That was a big deal last week. Had a really cool radio show last week. Great topics. We went left to right, top to bottom, in to out throughout that two hours. Again, two hours today, so uh, bring it on. Let's see what's cooking. We're going to take a short pause for now and come right back. Uh, Mark Clanahan, Scott Mosby, Camwex, at your service. This is your Home Improvement now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Gutterworks on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, back together, Scott Mosby, KMOX Home Improvement, two hours. Phone lines 314 436 7900, 436 7900, 800 925 1120. Let's get right back to the phone lines, see what's fired up, and go. Let's see what's happening with my friend Kenny. Kenny, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Kenny, you're on. You're there. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Hey, listen, uh, uh, I've got a second slab of uh, uh, concrete up by the house on my driveway, and it's sunk down about two inches, so it's exposed about about two and a half inches. It's sticking up, and um, and it, it, you know, you can see a little bit, of, not even a half inch, where the water would like run under the porch. I got a really long porch. I'm having a guy come out for an estimate on the 11th of. Um, uh, it's not mud jacking. It's a, like a polymer, poly yeah. poly something. But what's the difference between, because I was reading, what's the difference between the mud jacking and this new poly, whatever this polyurethane thing is? Yeah. Uh, I know there's pros and cons, you know, the price, but, but what do you think would be better? I think the polymer thing or the poly whatever it is, is better for me. What do you think? Yeah, we just call it polyjacking. Uh, the old technology, oh, okay. old school, is a cement slurry. Think of it as soupy concrete without any big rocks in it. And they just pump that stuff underneath a big slab, uh, whether it's polyjacking or mudjacking. Uh, it's very low PSI or pressure, pounds per square inch. It's only three or four pounds per square inch because you've got this 10 by 10 slab, and it just slowly lifts it up. 
There's a there's a little bit of magic to it. You know, there's a more uh, art than science as well, knowing how to get this corner up without that corner going down. Uh, polyjacking, it's just the material that gets pumped underneath that slab in order to lift it up. The poly sets up into kind of a, a, a cell foam type thing. Um, and then the cement slurry is uh, old cracking, um, you know, concrete. It's a grout. Um, so poly is the current technology. Mud is the old technology. Poly is a little better product, um, and it does have its pros and cons. If I was going to do it today, I'd do the poly jacking, frankly. Okay, can I ask you, is that is that going to go in and, and fill in, like, if there's a, uh, you know, like a, what do you call them things like chipmunk uh, runs and stuff under there? Is that going to fill that in? Oh yeah, oh yeah. This okay. this it's just like blowing up a basketball. The air is going to go wherever it can, and so oh, okay. it will by nature. Both products will fill the voids. It's just that the uh, the poly tends to uh, fill it in a different way, if you will. Okay, and then when that when that fills up, and I guess when the guy will explain it to me, but when that lifts up the 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 low end, will that lift it up? And then the, 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 the part that's up about two and a half inches, will that sink back down? Uh, that's the art part. Uh, yes and no. For the most part, yes. Uh, and that's what they'll that's what they'll discuss and look at because sometimes uh, where the part has lifted up, it creates a void, and then water erodes and brings mud and sand and debris, and then it won't go back down. So again, that's part of what they'll need to look at when they're there. Okay, because uh, uh, it's got a little lift on it, you know, and I'm afraid someone's going to, I need to get it fixed, you know, for future, right. but uh, I don't want somebody to trip on that because uh, uh, I've tripped on it a couple of times myself and I know it's there, so, yeah, yeah. You know. What's your and name? I want to do it before it cracks. Well, again, that's something, and there's no real guarantee, and this is the decision of do I replace that slab and get it 100% or do I polyjack it? And oftentimes they can bring it back up 100%. The advantage is the concrete's the right color. New concrete is going to be very bright, light color, not matching. So that's kind of the mix yeah. there. And then, and then uh, price-wise, I'm just uh, because when you said about lifting up the whole, uh, uh, you know, replacing that whole, a slab of concrete. Uh, Price-wise, uh, what do you think that would cost compared to uh, poly jacking? Uh, replacing's about twice the cost of the poly jacking. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so okay. I mean, it's, it's a it, it's a lot more. The downside of new concrete, it's a different color. You know, so yeah. if you can do the polyjacking, it's a good thing. But if you've got problems, for example, when you replace the concrete, the high part will go down. With polyjacking, right. maybe not. You know, so there you yeah. go. Well, I think I'll, uh, I'll listen to what he says. I'm, uh, I'm anxious to get it done. So I thanks for your help. All right. Thanks for the call. And, and, uh, yeah, and I like your show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye now. Bye-bye. Scott Mosby, there we had it. Uh, I, I had Kenny up. Maybe it was Jenny. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, we talked about polyjacking versus mudjacking, all of that. Uh, I have phone lines open, 314-436-7900, uh, Realize that we are into the heat of the summer. We're getting up into the 90s, uh, sneaking up. Uh, you know, sooner or later, we're going to hit 100 degrees here in the middle of the country. Uh, so whether you're um, north, south, 
east-west of Camwexville. Welcome to the Camwex family. Thank you for listening. I enjoy being here. With me, I have a guest, Mark McClanahan, president of Mosby Building Arts. He's part of the housing or the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies. This is where all the smart kids get in one room and try and figure out what's coming next and the health of our industry. Mark, uh, tell me what it's like to be in that room. It's, that's a pretty heady uh, group of people. Well, it really is. Uh, in fact, I feel honored to be a part of that group, and I regularly mention that. So we meet twice a year, uh, mm-hmm. one time in the spring and one time in the fall. And in that um, setting, typically there's a report that's given by um, the, um, the employees of Harvard who really kind of aggregate a bunch of data from across the country regarding what's happening um, from the economic side of things and really mm-hmm. what's going on with the consumer. And in those reports, typically they have projects that they that they, they work on that they're reporting on. One project what happened to do with um, uh, multifamily remodeling, what go, what goes on with that, um, what's happening with um, the labor market, um, what does the industry look like when it comes to forecasting the health of the industry. So those are the types of things that, that we discuss. We have, we have panel discussions and uh, other types of companies that are there that I didn't mention earlier um, include Google, which I think some people probably have heard of Google before. <laughs> yeah. uh, Home Advisors is there. Right. So a lot of really big companies are there um, really trying to, I think, contribute. All these companies really contribute to uh, the, the information that's provided and the discussions that are had. Yeah. And I think the big topics discussed are um, really the fractured nature of the industry and how um, we as remodeling companies uh, really help the consumer out. And then the other one is really um, what's going on with the labor market. Yeah, yeah. The, the remodeling industry is kind of like the family farms. They're just a gazillion of us. We're all around. And uh, though we are a lot together, uh, a lot independent and, and smaller enterprises. Yeah, actually, uh, 86% of the companies um, in, the, in, in the industry across the country do less than a million dollars in business a year. So mm-hmm. you can imagine there's a lot of small contractors out there. Yeah. Um, in fact, 70 or so percent of them don't even have employees. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's really a highly fractured industry. So it's hard for the consumer uh, to navigate that. And so we talk about that a lot and how do we improve that. Yeah. Well, we've talked, you and I have, about uh, Google, HomeAdvisor, the various lead generating services and how they appear to be one thing, yet they're really just an advertising lead generator as well. So uh, hopefully you'll... I have a few uh, things to say about that when we uh, get into that topic. Yeah, absolutely. I can for sure. Good, good. Well, uh, Mark McClanahan, president of Mosby Building Arts. Phone lines open 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120. Mark, what things around your home are do you have in in the honeydew list? Have you had any of that on your vacation? Oh, that uh, list is never ending. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, uh, just I'm doing some, I mean, uh, it's above my pay grade to do anything significant. So, I can handle things like maybe painting or (laughs) painting or painting. That's about it. No, I don't want to actually – some really talented painters out there. So I'm not going to say I'm a talented painter, but I I get by. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I think everybody's homes have some sort of maintenance that needs to be done. So I typically do the small maintenance things. Yeah. And then we hire the professionals to do anything serious. Nice, nice. Well, lots of good things to talk about. Yeah. All right. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, CAMOX. Phone lines 314-436-7900. Toll free 800 from anywhere on the planet. 800-925-1120. We've got quite a bit of area covered in the KMOX family of listening area that is under flood. So we've got a lot of water. Um, uh, guests coming to St. Louis comment on, my gosh, I didn't know half of Illinois was a lake. 
Well, it's not. It's just a flooded Mississippi River. My golly, I you know, seeing through the eyes of people from other parts of the country, we take for granted, you know, that, well, it's just, it's flood. It happens, it comes, and it goes, and it is what it is, and then we try and clean out, rebuild, and get at it again. Uh, but I was, I was shocked at the various times and people that come to visit and how different it appears from the air as well. So, anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Up next is Norma. Norma, good morning. Welcome to KMWX. How can we help? Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question. I had a driveway put in in 2004, and it was put in in sections, like eight different uh, slabs. Mm-hmm. And in between each of those, there was like a board. I don't know if it's cedar or whatever, but there was like some kind of a little board in between there. Well, through the years now, this is what, 15 years later, those are kind of starting to splinter and come out sort of. Uh, should I have somebody come and put the same thing back or do they put in caulk? What is the best way to repair that? Uh, Norma, close to my heart, uh, those were cedar wood boards, three quarters mm-hmm. of an inch thick, two and a half inches, right. three inches tall, right. whatever. And those uh-huh. are made for control joints or expansion joints that as, uh-huh. you know, when we get, you know, 100 degrees out, direct sunlight, those big of concrete course. plates literally get right. bigger. Um, right. Now, the wood um, is... Um, Inconvenient, expensive, and uh, hard to get right. Uh, takes a carpenter to pull out the old well, ones, clean it, it up, dry it up. Sure, put the... be hard to cram that back in there again. Yes, ma'am. And because <laughs> the concrete all moves and it doesn't settle back right. down where it came from. Anyway, I like right. to caulk that stuff. Uh, usually, it takes some knowledge. Uh, we use a leveling, a, a semi-leveling, and semi-self-leveling, uh, and it's a, a semi-water. Uh, and it's the viscosity or thickness or how watery that stuff is. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a backing rod that goes in. Uh, the, the caulk is a urethane, one part urethane, uh, usually about a half inch thick only at the top. And the way to get it to match the concrete is put that uh, caulking in, um, you fill it up just shy of the surface, and then dust a very dry sand, the same color as the concrete. River sand is kind of a gray color. Uh, orange is the Merrimack uh, River sand as well. So one is Mer- mm-hmm. Merrimack and the other is River. Those are the two terminologies identifying those two mm-hmm. granules. But I, I like caulking, and, and the caulk isn't attractive until you put that dry sand. And when I say dry sand, it's real dry sand because yeah. if it's wet, it just won't stick. Do you follow me through that, Norma? I do, but I can't do it myself because I live by myself and I'm not, I suck at stuff like that. So how can I find someone who can do that for me? Uh, You're welcome to call our company if you want. We have that service. Uh, We do it kind of as a handyman sort of thing, but it is not for the faint of heart. Um, There are, it's easy to find a commercial caulking company. So if you want to do a 100-story building, uh, there's a bunch of good ones in town. They don't much care about your driveway or mine. (laughs) <laughs> right, but you but you have like a handyman person that could do it. Yeah, uh, Mosby Building Arts. Kind of our mission is uh, high skill, sometimes small jobs to big jobs. Wow, but that's kind of our things that. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I can call. I can call the office the first of the week. That would be great. Yep. Uh, is it is it expensive? 
Uh, it's not inexpensive because the caulk is about four to five times the cost of normal latex caulk. It's labor-intensive. you got to clean it out, let it dry, all that. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be hundreds of dollars for a small job. And, and you know, for a full driveway, it, it's usually several thousand dollars when you caulk that thing up. And, again, it's like painting. You can get either cheap painting or real painting. So it Right, yeah. Cheap. Yeah. Right, okay. All right, well, thank you very much. I appreciate your advice. All right, Norma, and uh, the, the the sand is the key. You can make that ugly okay. caulk look like something pretty with just a little bit of sand. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Right. Okay, thank you very much. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right, there we go. We're off and running. We've got uh, two questions. One is mud jacking. How do we do this? There's poly, P-O-L-Y, poly leveling, and then mud jacking, M-U-D, just, or grout uh, lifting, G-R-O-U-T. So, frankly, there are two different ways of lifting up an old slab of concrete. Uh, there is another way, I will say, um, and um, we actually have a slab sucker, S-L-A-B, and it's like a big suction cup, like for glazing, and we hook it on the back of an excavator backhoe sort of thing, and it sucks up big chunks of concrete. Uh, it's not something we like to do. We'll do it. We we got into it because of stone and doing some pretty unique uh, paving and patio products. But anyway, there is another way. Uh, it's just um, really labor intensive. So you really have to want that piece of concrete or whatever to match. Uh, phone lines open here. KMOX, bring them on. 314-436-7900. 436-7900. Toll free 800-925-1120. In the studio, Mark McClanahan of Mosby Building Arts. My name is Scott Mosby here in KMOX. We'll be back for more after this. Now back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Sponsored in part by Gutterworks on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, back together. Scott Mosby, Mark Clanahan, Home Remodeling. This is the KMOX Home Remodeling Show. We are sponsored. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show on KMOX. Lots of things to talk about. Phone lines open for you, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I had a call in. Also, Kitchen Seminar, July 13th at Roth Living. Uh, This involves food, RSVP. There's a few dollars in there for uh, a charitable donation as well. So anyway, callmosby.com is one way to do it. Or you can call in 314-909-1800-314-909. Anyway, do a search on Mosby anywhere in the world, you'll find it. Uh, let's see what's cooking on the phone lines here and talk to Bill. Hey, Bill, Scott Mosby, Mark Clanahan, how can we help you, my friend? Hey, Scott, love the show. Um, I've got a, uh, I don't know, I guess I guess they call it a, a three-season room, a four-season room. It's, it's on the back of my house, and uh-huh. it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's basically my little wood shop now. Uh, it does have, you know, HVAC going out to it, but it's basically a tile floor, Two two walls are windows. The other two walls are is like an old, like like a wood siding, I guess you'd say, or a lap siding. I'm not sure. So, but it doesn't have any um, issues with with weather because it's got a roof over it and everything. My question, uh, I have two questions actually. The first one is, I want to I want to be able to hang some cabinets and things like that. W- would you recommend putting something over that siding, like pot plywood or drywall? Or, or would you just hang right on the wood siding? Uh, do you know what's inside that wall, Bill? Well, it on the other side is actually our mudroom laundry room. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I'm guessing that's a two by and then four kitchen, wall. And then kitchen on the other side, actually. So, yeah. Uh, so, they're, they're two interior walls. Uh, okay, uh, good. That's a good thing. You can hang those cabinets right on those two by fours. Uh, how old is your house, Bill? About 30 years old. All right. Um, I'm pretty hey, sure. Charles, you know, typical ranch house. Ooh, that, that threw me a curve. Uh, I think your studs, your two by four, the up and down boards inside the wall are going to be 16 yeah. inches apart. Uh, that yeah. era had some 24 inches apart, but usually that was uh, any less common. If you knock on the wall... Uh, it'll be very hollow, and then all of a sudden, it'll get very solid. The pitch of the knocking will get very high-pitched, and you can figure out whether that sound changes every 16 inches as you go left to right or right to left horizontally, and otherwise, it'll be 20. Anyway, then you'll know where to hang things. If it's a 24-inch on center, um, there just aren't enough studs in the wall to hang cabinets conveniently. So when you you get a 24-inch cabinet, you know, where do you screw that thing to the wall? You know, yeah, so, yeah. So, well, I got some old, got some old salvage cabinets that I kind of just been picking up here and there, and it's basically just you know not not heavy storage, just kind of like little tools and yeah. things. But but obviously, I don't want it to uh, to fall off. So so it is okay as long as I find the stud to just hang it right there on on that wood that that siding is what you're saying. Yeah, studs are preferable if it gets unreliable or you you know you just can't find anything that is where you want to put a screw. You can put a one by four on the wall horizontally and then hang the cabinets on that. It's less attractive and it holds that cabinet off three quarters of an inch. So then you have to trim top, bottoms, and sides to close that cavity. Or you're going to oh yeah, I give the bugs saying, a really yeah. nice home now, and they get very happy. They'll send you Christmas cards, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, one other real quick question on the floor is, um, and you can kind of see where I'm going. I'm, I'm kind of trying to be lazy. Uh, the, on the floor, there's there's tile. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like an old uh, white kind of six inch. Uh, you know, it used to be probably where they put wicker furniture and stuff. So the so my wife's been gracious enough to let me have my wood shop out here. But I, I don't like the tile because it, when any dust, any wood chips, anything, it just gets real slick. Yeah. So my thought was, can I liquid nail like three quarter inch plywood straight to this tile and then well, i mean because underneath it is concrete i'm assuming uh, uh y- would, would yes, there be any problem there uh yeah that's probably one of the better choices since it's just a wood shop uh that's as good yeah. a, sh- a good a treatment as any the problem is moisture will come through that concrete through your tile and maybe pop or dislodge the uh, liquid nails or the adhesive you use. So choose your adhesive carefully, and you may need to etch or abrade the shiny surface off that tile so that you're kind of making it one, um, uh, a surface receptive to that glue sticking to it. Just kind of like rough it up, in other words? Yep, yep. Belt sander, grind it, whatever it is. Just make it ugly on the surface and uh, clean, dry, and and then you'll glue to it. And and that works out okay. You can also do, um, you know, concrete uh, fasteners to screw the one by or the plywood down. But I would do, if you're going to glue it uh, on the whole floor, I would glue it and fasten it as well. So put uh, concrete expansion anchors or uh, like tap con screws or something into that that holds the plywood down because if you have a hump or bump in that plywood and plywood does have humps and bumps, uh, yeah. once it dries, that hump stand forever because the, the, the glue will dry with that hump in it. So what, hey, what type of plywood would, would, I mean, would you just get like roof, like you put on a roof or like a basic, uh, plywood or what, what, I mean, 
because I only need about six sheets, so I, I don't mind spending a little money. I mean, what would you recommend as far as, like, the type of plywood, I guess, for an interior application? Uh, on the floor, uh, ideally, I would use a uh, probably a th- at least a five-eighths, maybe a three-quarter inch plywood because it's thick enough to have its own structure. Half inch. Now, I'm going to get into some lumber jargon. Here we go. Uh, CDX means the C-face is kind of gnarly uh, framing. Uh, I would say get an A or B face, so like an AC plywood and the and about three quarters of an inch. A is a pretty almost furniture grade, uh, but three quarter oh. inch ply, and they're going to cost you you know forty fifty dollars a sheet maybe. Yeah, um, but uh, you can get that at box stores. I mean that's stuff that. Yeah. Is, and, is oh, okay. And yep. you can put the chipboard, the OS oriented strand board on there too if you want that look as well. But I would get it thick enough that when you put a fastener into the floor, the plywood is thick enough that it pulls down a large area around that fastener to, you know, drive it into that glue. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I wrote it all down. Thank you, buddy. Uh, here's the pattern uh, on underlayment when we do a vinyl floor or ceramic towel, whatever it is. Basically, you're eight inch on center through the field, which means, you know, 16 inches on centers. And around the edge, you have that. So your screws around the edges where those edges can stick up and be a trip hazard. Those are every eight inches or less. So you really okay. have to make those edges not stick up into a trip hazard. Right. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right. Good luck, my buddy. Thanks. See you, Bill. All right. Home improvement. Uh, Mark, we were chatting off the air a little bit about uh, the Harvard Center for Housing Studies, which, you know, I follow because I want to know the health of the economy. I love the talking heads and all that. I listen to CAMWEX, all that, you know, so I, I'm, I'm kind of a student of all this stuff. Um, you know, then came um, Google and Google's doing stuff and now they know a whole lot about me. And then we had Angie's list that popped out and I thought, well, that's interesting. How does that work? You know, and now we've got Home Advisor that bought Angie's list and they're both out there. And then we've got, uh, you know, the big box stores that have their own um, referrals. And it's, um, you know, it's another version of Camo X. This is an advertise. Anyway, yeah, what do you, how do you see that and how does that touch the Harvard guys? Yeah. So first of all, home remodeling is hard to navigate when it comes to finding contractors. Mm. For sure. It's super hard. I do want to back up. You, you were asking me about, you know, the stuff I do around the house, and I, I'd mentioned yeah, yeah. painting and that I could paint. And I, I want to say that, you know, we have some extraordinary painters at Mosby Building Arts, so uh, what I do versus what they do is night and day. So, um, first of all, sorry, painters, I didn't mean to <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, insult your craft because you guys are amazing. Um, but, I, but you, you know, you were talking um, earlier about the concrete, um, you know, the fillers, and some companies... Yeah. You know, we'll do a really good job and you'll pay a little bit less. I mean, pay a little bit more and some companies aren't. And it's the same way in the remodeling industry. And painters will be a good example. You can get really, really good high quality painters. You're going to pay some more or you're going to, um, you know, find some painters who are not as, as good and, and it might cost you a little bit less. But going to home advisors, I think that's a great, great one to talk about. Home advisors is really just another media channel to advertise home improvement. It's mm-hmm. it's not really... Um, advice for homeowners. Now, of course, if you go to their website, you're going to find all sorts of articles about giving you advice and how much things cost. And some of that is, some of that's true. And some of that I would just argue is not true. Mm -hmm. Um, The challenge is um, for the homeowner to, to understand, well, gosh, if I go to home advisors, am I going to get a qualified contractor? The question is, is, or the answer is maybe. 
Yeah. You're not really guaranteed that. In, in fact, there's a story that was on NBC a few months ago about a contractor that, uh, frankly, Home Advisors didn't do a background check on and um, had a criminal background and, and really stole this this couple's money. Uh, they were halfway through a very large kitchen remodeling project, and they lost a lot of money. And this was through Home Advisors, and you see yeah. all their commercials, and their commercials are really slick. They're done really nicely, and they make you feel really comfortable, like, this is a company I can trust. And the, but it's it, not really a company. It's, it's just really, like it's another it, advertising. It's another advertising medium, yeah, just yeah. like Angie's List, too. Angie's List... Um, you know, started off, I think, with the right intentions, but really grew into a company that needed to make money. And um, most people probably don't know this, but before Home Advisors bought them, I did know that Angie's List made 85% of their money, their revenue, Angie's List made 85%, not from their uh, constituents, not from their um, members, yeah. but from people, from contractors advertising, 85% yeah. of it. So. You you can bet that the message that Angie's List is, is portraying is really on behalf of their of their revenue generation. And like I said, I don't think they started off that way, intended that to be that way. But in the end, what it made is it made it harder for the consumer to really, I think, in my opinion, uh, find the, the right company. So then the question is, well, how do I find a company that's reputable, right? Like Mosby Building Arts. Well, you do what you have done in the past, which is. Um, you check Better Business Bureau reviews. You um, t- talk to friends yeah. and family. If you talk to a contractor, um, make sure you ask for referrals. And, and when you ask for referrals, ask for referrals for t- uh, the types of work that you want done in your house. So mm-hmm. if you want to do a large kitchen project, well, ask when you're talking to the company, say, hey, I want to know a customer of yours that did a large kitchen project like I'm about to do so I can find out how their experience is. So that's probably probably the best way to really arm yourself as a homeowner. Mm, interesting. I mean, the whole advertising is similar to CamelX or a television station or, you know, Google ads or whatever it is. 100% yeah. correct. Anyway, let's take a short pause. Uh, Mark, will you stick around for a little bit? Yep. Lots. Of, we just opened the can on this thing here. On uh, Anyway, I just wanted to bring forward the Harvard Center for Housing Studies. These guys put a lot into You might hear the Case-Shiller housing report of, you know, how many job starts, permits were issued, things like that. This stuff's been going on for 16 years. Uh, anyway, it, it happens for new construction, and now they've rolled it all up in Harvard into the whole housing market. So kind of an interesting place to hang out and have an extra set of ears. Absolutely. <laughs> Mark McClanahan, uh, Mosby Building Arts president here. Let's take a short pause on Cam Wick, see what's cooking with the sponsors. Now back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Gutterworks on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, we are live and lively here on CAMOX. Stay tuned, lots of things happening. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Kitchen Seminar, July 13th. Call Mosby.com. Food is involved, uh, and it's good. Be careful. Uh, the food's good. I've been to one of those things. The food's good. Uh, anyway, Mark, you're with us here. Mark Clanhan, president of Mosby Building Arts, uh, uh, close to my own heart here and uh, part of the Harvard Center for Housing Studies. Mark, what's the n- official name of the committee that you serve? So it's called the Remodeling Futures Steering Committee. It's kind yeah. of a long name, a part of the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies. <whistles> yeah, it's a mouthful, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 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 not surprising it goes along with that Harvard word with a big, long name like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been around for 20, about 22 years now. It's wow. actually been around for a long time. It actually was started as a research project mm-hmm. 22 years ago um, by the, um, the senior fellow, uh, Kermit Baker is his name. Yeah. And in fact, you may hear, read articles by Kermit uh, if, if you're in the industry at all. 
and in fact, business shows uh, like uh, what is it? Squawk Box and stuff like that will talk about information that comes from his committee. Yeah. But it started as a research project, and then they found out how big the industry was, and they kept doing research projects after research projects. So essentially, we help fund, as being a member, research projects. Yeah. Um, and these research, pro- research projects help us understand what's happening in the, in the industry. And these big numbers, these big numbers for the remodeling industry and construction include the sales of Menards, Lowe's, Home Depot. Yep. So, so the big box stores really contributed this to Absolutely. increase the sales. So that's Yeah, so that's big... any dollar spent on improving your home. Yeah. So whether, you know, the people who have called here who are doing some stuff on their own, that contributes to the $450 billion number. Mm-hmm. St. Louis, by the way, people may not know this, is a pretty large industry. It's between 2 and $3 billion. Wow. With a B? With a B. Yeah. Wow. Pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots and lots of companies out there doing work um, and lots of home improvement going on. Sure, sure. It's a good place to live. I've noticed that. It is, yeah. (laughs) I kind of like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's take a quick uh, question, see what's cooking with my friend here, Jim. Hey, Jim, good afternoon or good morning. Welcome to CamWax. How can I help? Hi, good morning. Thank you for your time. i got a question. I've got a uh, two-story built in 86, the master bathroom on the second floor. There's a smell, kind of like sewer gas-ish, coming from the shower drain. Mm-hmm. It's got a separate tub and shower, and it seems to be prevalent when it's, and I've isolated it, that up and seal over that shower drain, and the smell goes away. I've had a couple of plumbers out to, to do some snaking. Um, they don't think it's a problem with the vent because it seems to drain well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just not sure what it could be. Uh, sometime there's enough scum on the side of that pipe. You can have, for example, the P-trap that's under that shower. Uh, there's a pipe that drops straight down. It might be two inches down, and that water for the trap might be six inches down. With all of the paraffin wax, the body oils, you know, you're cleaning your body, all of that, that pipe is covered with a debris and a residue. Uh, and I would suggest pull that grill Take a, a bottle brush and scrub whatever stuff is on the inside of that. It's common in kitchen sinks when you have a two-bowl sink, that second sink. All that pipe goes down from that second sink before it gets to the trap or the disposal, and it can smell from all the kitchen cooking grease. So I would give it a good scrubbing, uh, bleach it a little bit, see what happens, see if it goes away. I have been involved in things that would continually come back. But I would do the old scrubby Dutch method first and just get rid of anything that might smell on that open uh, drain. Okay. I, I did put some stuff down there, um, kind of like Ridex or this bio nope, uh, nope. health stuff. Nope. 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 Just uh, get, scrub get, it. This is old-fashioned scrub the shower stuff. You know, get the okay. residue off of it, disinfect it, and then just see how it goes from there. And if it continues okay. to come back, that means you're supplying a new source of that odor somewhere. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Mm, thank you. Bye-bye. Mark McClanahan, will you stick around a few minutes next hour? Will do. All right, Mark McClanahan, Scott Mosby, KMOX. KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Gutterworks. Here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, welcome back together, Home Improvement. Lunchtime, bean time. Put a few shrimp on the barbie, a few steaks on the grill, a little peanut butter and jelly, some sandwich, whatever it might be, and fire up the radio and 
Call in with your questions. 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. Welcome to the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Gutter Works. If you have some, have some gutters that don't work, there you go. These guys do it all around there. Uh, we've got some things to talk about with me now. I still have Mark McClanahan. I have him chained to the desk. We've got a few more good things to talk about. He's agreed to forestall his weekend festivities with his family to kind of answer a few questions here on Camwalk. Mark, thanks for sticking around. Glad to be here. We were talking off the air, uh, some of the things, and uh, uh, there were some issues, uh, topics that we wanted to bring forward uh, before you go off to your festivities with the family, <laughs> all those tough duty things. Well, I thought it'd be interesting to let uh, some of your listeners know really the different types of contractors that you can find out there, um, because they all really fit um, with the types of projects you want to do. And mm-hmm. um, so I think there's really four different types that you can think about. One, uh, starting with the small contractor we mentioned earlier, they certainly, um, they, they serve a good purpose. Um, they're usually um, less costly than others, um, but they're also harder to navigate and sometimes harder to find the contractor who can actually do quality work. And when you get a good, good small contractor, sometimes they get, um, they can get overwhelmed with too much work. And so mm-hmm. sometimes their service can kind of slow down, but they're, you know, they do fulfill a pr- purpose in the mm-hmm. industry. This second type would be, um, more of a, um, um, single type of, um, operating company. And actually I kind of reversed the order here. The single c- type of operating company will be more of like a one man type show, of yeah. show. Right. Um, and you know, they're harder to find a lot harder to find than the small contractor. Small contractor might have a few employees, but the, the um, single contractor really is kind of a word of mouth type of per- person, and um, so they're they're um, they'll probably be on the cheapest side of things. Um, but I'd also be a little bit cautious about the quality of work that they they do. Some will do good work. I'm not going to say they're all like that, but you know, at the same time, they're not supported by a larger company. It's more then, like a tradesman, yeah. and not necessarily a structure or organization. It, yeah, that's a great way to put it, Scott. The third one would be more like a Mosby Building Arts. And which would be more of a, a professionally run company, which has got um, a decent size um, set of employees who can service the clients and really provide um, the types of things you would expect from a professional company. Now, they're going to be a little bit more, um, typically more costly because they've got um, more people to pay for. But that also comes with value, value mm-hmm. in knowing that your job will probably get done, started and finished on time, that the quality of work that's going to be done is Typically, typically going to be higher, and also they'll typically back up the work. Like for Mosby, we have a ten-year workmanship warranty. So, um, and other companies will offer warranties as well. And you should expect that from those types of companies. And then the fourth type is a really more of a boutique type of company, and that would be you know a classic um, uh, independent designer, interior designer, or maybe a small architectural firm, and they um, will provide a really good service. And sometimes the quality of work they do is high end. Um, uh, but they're not as accessible to to the most of the community because typically they're going to be um, for the people who can afford that that type of service, um, and um, and they serve a, a purpose as well. So all these sure. four different types serve a purpose to our community. But you, like I said earlier, it's a highly fractured industry, one of the most fractured industries in uh, really the con- in in the country. Um, so it is hard for homeowners to navigate. And like I said earlier, just you know check references, look for online reviews, uh, go to the Better Business Bureau, make sure they've got a good rating and not a list of complaints, Um, ask friends, ask family, and then ask for uh, references. References is a big deal as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not everybody's created equal. It's just one size does not fit all. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get into that with uh, windows and doors. It's like, well, what's the best window? 
like, well, for what use? Right, exactly. You know, for the White House or for my house? Yeah, exactly. Two different purposes yeah. entirely. Yeah. Now, if you think about the car industry, that's another example where you have mm-hmm. different levels of cars and, and, you know, some people want to have just four wheels and get around. Um, yeah. And some people want to have four wheels and get around in, you know, luxury. Um, so it, it's a huge range, right? Yeah, sometimes cup holders matter, sometimes they don't. Just get me to work and home, that's all I need. And the other one wants heated seats and a cup holder for the coffee. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Mark McClanahan, part of Harvard's Remodeling Futures Committee, part of the Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard. All the Beantown guys up in Boston get together and try and figure out how the rest of the world works. That's, yeah, Mark, anyway, thanks for your time on that. You've been uh, serving three years, four years on this? Yeah, my, I think I'm in my fourth year. Your fourth, yeah. yeah, and I will have to say I haven't been to Boston yet since we beat them. Oh, too bad. And oh. I can't wait to go this fall. It's going to be so much fun. Boston who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, Mark, thanks for coming in. Good luck and uh, enjoy your family time, and uh, uh, thanks for all you do. Thumbs up. Thanks, Scott. All right. Mark Clannon, part of Mosby Building Arts. He is the president, uh, head cook and bottle washer, if you will. Uh, we're going to take a short pause and come right back for more. I have phone lines open just for No, no, not that. For you, you, you've had that question for three weeks. You've been sitting on it. Here we are, 314-436-7900 and 800-925-1120. A little bit here on this. Be right back. St. Louis's traffic station, KMOX. Now back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Gutterworks on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Oh, yes, indeed. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. We are live and lively here. Let's get right to our phone lines. We've got some smoking hot 50,000 watts ready to reach out to you. And a very patient June. Hey, June, thanks for lunchtime on KMOX. Your patience. How may I help you? Yeah. You're on. During one of these intense storms, I got a lot of water, hmm. rain, and in our downspouts are connected directly to the gutter, the gutter to the sewer. And as a result, I had water just, you know, off the roof back up into my basement. Can I put a check valve in that drain? Um, Yes, you can. Um, And here's the history on it. The answer is yes, you can. They are... um, a maintenance issue. You have to make sure they keep working. A check valve is a swing valve that when the water is going down the sewer, it'll let it out. But when it tries to fill up and come back, that check valve closes and doesn't allow the water to come back up into your floor drains and basement and all. Uh, You have to exercise and clean them once or twice a year. They're very easy to um, ignore and not maintain. So I have been involved in installing some of these check valves uh, in various houses. The issue is when you sell the house, the next buyer doesn't really know what they've got. When you go to sell the house, the homeowner, you know, the home inspector sometimes finds them and doesn't know what they are. Um, Anyway, my thing is there are other ways to go about this, June. Uh, You can actually put a... um, There are stoppers you can buy at the hardware store. We call them test plugs. 
Um, for example, when a plumber builds a new house or we put on a new room addition at Mosby Building Arts, we oftentimes will plug the sewer for these newer pipes and fill them up with water and look for the drains and see if any of those pipes leak. Uh, so effectively, they come in sizes. You buy them at a hardware store or a home center, two inches, three inches, four, whatever. And it looks like an expansion plug. You just stick it in. It's got a big wing nub on it. You would lift up the floor drain grate, stick this thing down in that floor and screw it. It expands and it basically will stop the water from coming up into your basement. So that's one of the options. There's another one where I've seen a pretty clever was a standpipe. Basically, it was a pipe that had a gasket and they pulled the grate on the floor drain, stuffed this uh, two foot tall pipe. As long as the, the water didn't flow up that pipe more than two feet or three feet, whatever they would put it in. And as soon as the rainstorm left and the flooding situation stopped, they pulled this pipe or they pulled this test plug. So there are other ways to go about that because when you put in a check valve, you, you can't necessarily find it. It's under the floor. It does have access from that floor. Uh, they're pricey, breaking the concrete, licensed plumber, all those things. I would go low tech first a few times here on this, June. You, you following me so far? Yeah, this is the first time in 12 years that it's happened. You know, I was just looking for something simple so I could ensure that it wouldn't happen again. Yeah, good topic. Uh, that is an option. I would probably go to the hardware store for $4 or $8 or times however many floor drains you've got. Uh, take a picture and uh, measure the inside diameter of the pipe that's inside your floor drain. Typically, they're two and three inches. Um, and if you have that size and you go to the hardware store, you tell them what you're doing, take a, a photo. You can take your phone with them or whatever and say, here's where I'm going to put this thing. Do you have something for that? And it's called a test plug or an expansion test plug. And all it is is a, a rubber gasket. You turn this screw and the rubber gasket swells up and, and stops off the pipe. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate yep. it. Plumbers use them all the time in new and remodeling construction, so they're kind of stock and trade for us. But uh, just it's it's low tech. You just have to remember to pull it out. But if you have one of these check valve things, then you have to remember a lot of stuff with that too. Sure. All right. Hey, June. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Scott. All right. Bye now. Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Cam Wex. Uh, love this doggone thing. I, there's so many ways to get these things, and, and it's what I love. All of these answers I'm offering, I learn somewhere. Uh, so it, it's just kind of fun. Uh, let's see what's cooking with my friend uh, Barb here. Hey, Barb, thanks for calling. Cam Wex, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you? Hi, Scott. This is a question that has been rolling around in my head for over a year. Mm -hmm. We have a single-story brick house. Uh, with a 20-by-8-foot slab in the front. Um, it's north-facing. Mm -hmm. I'd like to have a porch roof added, but is there a way to do that and still get light into that living room? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Anything? No. Uh, I'm going to take you to that. Uh, yes, there is, and no, it doesn't work. Uh, we've put um, porches on there. Anytime you put an awning up, which is effectively what a porch roof is, you are limiting the amount of light that comes in sideways, top, all the rest. Uh, if you put a glass roof on there, uh, eventually the glass kind of gets dirty, fogs up, limits some of the light. So anything you do on that front porch roof 
does affect and limit the roof. Now, you can. There's another way to go about this. You can put a roof up and then align skylights in that front porch roof right over these windows or around the window. You have to kind of calculate when, what time of day you want the sun to come in so you know where to put those skylights. Then you have to go back out to the street and figure out, well, if I put them where I get the best light, they're going to look like a couple of bumps on a log. So you have to think of the aesthetics from the curb appeal as well. Uh, but yeah, there's so just understand that to do any kind of a porch covering, it will definitely limit and lessen the light coming in. But you can maximize your success by putting roof windows or, or skylights, if you will. Uh, just when you buy a skylight, go to the top of the food chain. Don't buy anything in the middle of the market, the bottom of the market. Just buy really good stuff and then have it installed when the roof goes up so that the roofer and the skylight installation are one responsibility. And, and then they control all the pieces to keep the water and the ice and snow out. All righty. Um, really appreciate your service. You bet. And, Thank you. It's a really good question. I, I most people don't recognize the con, you know I mean, the consequences. Like yes, you can, and and you bet yes, you are. You're compromised. So I appreciate the knowledge and the ability and the foresight you have just to ask that question. All right. Thank you. All right, Barb. Take have care. a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye now. Home improvement uh, phone lines wide open for you, 314-436-7900, 800 I want to thank Mark McClanahan for coming in from uh, Mosby Building Arts. Uh, he serves on Harvard's Remodeling Futures Committee. Uh, just kind of talk to us about some of the things, you know, we, we see our world, we see our homes, we see, you know, our biggest issue is, you know, the, you know, a flooding basement. I mean, it's a big deal. Uh, there are other levels going on in the world trying to figure out the health, safety, uh, the economics of our nation uh, and, and the industry of the remodeling industry and some of the dynamics, things that are changing. You know, the only thing that never changes is everything always changes. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred four three six seven nine hundred toll free eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Opportunity for you to call in. Uh, realize uh, we do have a kitchen seminar July thirteenth. Roth Living R O T H. It's a special event. Uh, there is a few dollars that uh, go toward this. Food is involved. It's cooking. Um, and uh, beware, you will have some fabulous food. You will discover lots of answers for your kitchen topics, appliances, cooktops, uh, countertops, cabinets, floors, colors. Anyway, uh, you can find out more at callmosby.com or 314-909-1800. This is Scott Mosby on KMOX. I am at your service. The clock radio wakes you with the weather forecast. Thunderstorm problems here. Your car leaves the driveway with the radio tuned for traffic. Hampton to Big Bend, heavy south 170. The voice from the speakers brings you closer to world national and local news. Blood fighting efforts statewide. The governor made his announcement. And who won the big game? The Cardinals with a good performance. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. And as ordinary as the day may seem, we never take it for granted. Because every day, we do more than just news. We share the stories that affect your life. St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Gutterworks on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. 
All right, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. We've got 30 more minutes here. I wish you a wonderful holiday weekend. It is the 4th of July, Independence Day. Uh, it uh, For those of you Canadians, um, yep, you had that on July 1st. We have our 4th of July. Uh, you know, it, this is a fun time of the summer, at least in North America on our continent it is. Uh, phone lines, 314-436-7900, Remember, the 4th of July, there were some pretty serious conflicts militarily in our nation's history. A lot of people made sure we could grill up that steak on our barbecue. Gratitude is always part of the 4th of July as we celebrate our independence and those that won it for us. Let's see what's cooking with my friend David. Hey, David, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you, my friend? Yeah, hi. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my wife and I are about ready to do a major remodeling of my father-in-law's house. Uh, it hasn't been touched since the early 1980s, so it needs a lot of work. And um, I was just curious, is there a good formula to budget uh, a renovation? Like if the house was worth $300,000, you wouldn't want to spend a million dollars to renovate a house of that value. <clears throat> that wouldn't make sense. You'd probably just build the house from scratch. So I was just wondering, uh, we're going to be making a lot of decisions, cabinets and kitchen and um, all sorts of decisions. And I was just curious what you recommend people what formula is, is to stay within a budget based on the value of the house? Uh, well, David, it's a good question. Uh, there is an answer. You may not like the scope of it, but here, here's kind of the math on it. Uh, remodeling, because you pay to tear it apart, you pay to put it back together, and it's a custom one-off project. So the costs of a remodeling project are inherently much more than building a new home. Remodeling is generally twice the cost of building a new home in a subdivision because a production builder doesn't real they'll offer you eight or ten selections that you can make, but basically they've already picked out the cabinets, the flooring. You're picking out colors and types and paint and things like that. But most of their faucets have already, you know, they've limited it by price and scope and appeal. They won't do a whole lot of custom stuff. So what you give up on a production, good price on a new home, is a lot of owner control. Remodeling as well as custom building. If you build a custom home yourself, your costs will be very close to remodeling a home. So the question is primarily, do I remodel this home or do I buy a new home and improve that? Or do I build a custom home? Custom homes, there are no checks and balances. It will use up as much money as you have. And then again, as again, because the homeowner is making an I love it, don't love it decision on every piece. Not just a faucet, but the faucet, the handle, the handle style, the finish, uh, pop-up, drain. Uh, then you get into the sink. Is it a, a vessel above? You know, on and on and on. There are just so many decisions you have to love doing that to get to that level of finish. Uh, so that gets to, okay, if I'm going to pay basically new retail price on construction as opposed to buying a new something out of the box, then, you know, you have to limit what you're going to go after. Almost every house hasn't done bathrooms and hasn't done kitchens because they're the two biggest costly items in any rehab or remodeling. And so people put it off, sell the house, or just don't mess with it. 
So by definition, uh, you could easily use up half to two-thirds of the value of that house doing a couple of bathrooms, a kitchen, and some flooring. So, again, then you've got to figure out what's my appetite, what's my maximum top dollar, and then you engage somebody and figure out, okay, what can I get for 100 or 150 or 200? Because keep in mind, just to change the floors, paint the house, um, you know, fix a few faucets, maybe change some appliances, you know, on a $300,000 house, you're fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 standing still. Just on, ma- on, just on maintenance, it hasn't been done for a long time. You, you following me there, Dave? No, I, I, I appreciate it. that. That's my worry. Uh, you know, uh, to, I, you know, the house is worth three hundred thousand. I don't think it would make sense to spend three hundred thousand on a renovation of a house. You probably just go buy a house. Uh, right. So right. that's the um, that's the dilemma we're in. Um, so, what can do? I have a, a do you have a time for one more quick question? Oh, sure. There, there's another thing I want to say. Remodeling okay, going go going to that level of investment. That's because you want to be right next to your church, right next to your synagogue, by your mother-in-law, but next to your Nate, whatever. So we often, and me included, I, I over-improved our home because that's where I wanted to live. When I die, right. that'd be our kid's problem. You know, tough enough. So that's your forever house. Yeah, if it's your forever house, that makes perfect sense. If you're not, that kind of money. If you're not tied to that home, uh, a financial level will not be justified on that. You just have to figure out what you want, where you want to live, where your wife and you are going to be happy. If that's the house, just do to it whatever you want. And, and it's done all the time, but it is not a cost accountable uh, transaction. How's that? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Now, and now your last question. question. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. Uh, one thing I want to add to this house is a, uh, like a, a, a sunroom or four season room. Uh-huh. What is the latest trends that you're seeing that people are, are when they, add a sunroom or four-season room. Can you tell me some trends you're seeing for 2019 and beyond? Oh, absolutely. Well, there, as far as the new, the new and the old, uh, we are animals. We are natural light animals. We love daylight. We love light. Um, even our older clients, as life, as their mobility limits, they spend their time in their kitchen and by a window, or there's a sunroom where they just experience nature without going outside. So, at the age of 20 or 120, um, light is the ticket, and that's why windows and doors are so important. So sunrooms, the, the trend is not necessarily a big glass room because they're hard to maintain, they're hard to heating, heat and cool, is more of a four-season room with a lot of glass. It's easy to heat and cool. Uh, it costs twice as much as a glass sunroom, but it's also worth twice as much. You know, so again... Uh, buying a sunroom piece of glass is a depreciating car. It gets worth less every day, and it costs mm-hmm. more to maintain. You, if you put kind of a room addition on, you're going to spend twice as much money to get that space, but every year it's going to either hold its value or get worth more as the house, if you have the right neighborhood on appreciating that you follow. So one gets worth more, the other depreciates fast like a car. So just to make sure I'm tracking it, it, it so you're saying – a f- more of a four-season room with lots of glass. That's, yeah, that's your... A real room addition. Your real yeah. room addition. Okay. Yeah, And that's yeah. what I think we're going for. Because I want to use it all year round, not just a, a porch with a screen in, you know, right. uh, to keep the bugs out. So, perfect. Okay, yeah. well, thank you very much for your your, uh, your advice today, and, and I enjoyed listening to your show. Thanks, David. It's a question everybody faces, and, and you know, you just... It, uh, home remodeling... 
to a really comprehensive basis is because you want that home in that location. That's it. Makes sense. Or Makes the sense. rest of it is just maintenance where I just want new... Co- anyway, I'll get into that in a little bit. Thanks, David. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye. And some of that, just to continue David's question, is that doesn't mean you don't do the kitchen. It means that you do um, a pull out and pull and replace. We basically, cabinets come out, cabinets go in. You don't uh, do electric wholesale. You don't rebuild the plumbing. You you basically take out the worn out things and put in new um, a new life. You get another 20, 30 years out of those appliances, uh, cabinets, the tops, the sink, the faucet, whatever it is. And that's where we at Mosby, what we call that is a right kitchen. We have a right bath. You know, there's custom bath that, you know, whatever you want, we do. And we do a great job on every one of those pieces. But there are a lot of things to select. On a right kitchen or a right bath, it's a limited uh, number of selections. But it's also much less costly. Happens very quickly and return on investment is much higher because it's not just a one-off custom something just you and your partner like. Anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. This is kind of an extension of uh, Mark McClanahan's visit earlier, uh, uh, part of the Harvard Center for Housing Studies. And one of the other things that I we just didn't have time to touch on was uh, that Harvard has discovered in the last 10 years, the biggest surprise, the biggest surprise in the remodeling industry was that aging in place didn't take off. People didn't want to remodel. They are doing limited things, so grab bars, raise toilets, simple accessibility things, but really putting, you know, make staying out of the home and staying at home as long as possible, though that is an issue, the investment in the homes didn't really occur. So aging in place is kind of an unrealized uh, market. That was one thing that, you know, oh, it's going to be very busy, big growing opportunity. It, it wasn't. It just didn't happen because uh, we're back into the denial. People don't need it, don't want it. That's for those old guys. That's somebody else, not me. Uh, home Improvement, Camo X, Scott Mosby, right here at your service. Now back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Gutterworks on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, Home Improvement, KMOX. This is Scott Mosby. We are wrapping up our second hour of the Helitech Home Improvement Show right here, sponsored by Gutterworks. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines, visit with my friend Jerry. Hey, Jerry, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help, sir? Hey, Scott. I've got a a um, mold problem in my basement and I have to unfinish the basement. Okay. Uh, my question is I've got the, uh, you know, interlocking uh, square tiles in the foot in the ceiling. I'd like to find out how can I find out if there's asbestos in those tiles. And the uh, second part is the entire basement is covered with knotty pine paneling. Okay. Where do I get rid of the knotty pine paneling? Uh, the knotty pine paneling, uh, the problem is it's it's covered with mold. The back side is, the front side, right. the foundation wall. Every, if you've got a moldy basement, it's a mess, and pretty much everything in it has to go. Um, as far as asbestos, I would say that you have an 85% chance uh, when we test those asbestos tiles, they almost always are asbestos. And this is the little one 12 by 12 with the holes. Uh, right. Is that what you're talking Yeah, almost always. But- 
That is, and now it's fibrous. There's no holes in it; just fibrous, and it's been painted over. Yeah. Well, even anything that's twelve by twelve is very likely because asbestos back then was the magical microfiber of the day. So it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. It doesn't burn. It doesn't this. Doesn't that. But you know, it, you know, it, you just can't breathe the stuff. So it's a big deal. Uh, you need to get it to a lab. Uh, uh, typically what we do is we'll spray it, uh, break off a piece, put it in a Ziploc bag, seal it up, label it, date it, uh, and then we get it to one of the uh, uh, trade partners at Mosby. You can call Mosby. We'll give you the name uh, of the company we use. Uh, and it, the only way to know for sure is, is really to have it uh, tested at a bio lab of is there indeed asbestos in that. I, I will also warn you if you have uh, the nine inch by nine inch uh, tiles on the floor, um, those uh, linoleum tiles, as they were called in a day, those have about a 70% chance of having asbestos. And then when you pull that off, if the adhesive behind it is black asphaltic, there's again about a 100% probability that has asbestos fibers in it too. Uh, just the date and the time, it, it just was such a magical discovery it was just used everywhere yeah the floor tiles have been covered with linoleum and the linoleum is all curled up from the water coming in yeah so that all has to come out too so. that you you need to make sure you call a hazardous abatement company um and and basically just plan to be out of the house during the days they're going to do what they do is they set up a big fan and it's like a big vacuum cleaner on the whole house so if any of that stuff does get into the air it just winds up being you know exhausted outside the home and collected um you know it's good for the employees of that you know abatement company as well but it also gets stuff airborne and make sure it gets out there and you know and doesn't just rest inside your home so uh, I would get you know call our company at 314-909-1800 they'll have we we maintain a referral list just for these reasons of people that you can call to uh, you know get that done okay and as far as the uh, knotty pine paneling I, I tore about a 15-foot section down and cut it up in sections and threw it in the trash and it, you know if I do that it's going to take years to get all get rid of all that Paneling. Yeah, you're getting a dumpster. This is you're in you're into home remodeling, and and now you're going to uh, start spending some of the costs that it get. Why those numbers are as they are because, you know, you've got to get the dumpster in there. You've got to get carefully, you know, without tearing up a driveway or the the yard. Then you have to carry the stuff out. So for, so frankly, in demolition, pulling the stuff out of your basement is only about twenty five percent of the cost. Seventy five percent is getting rid of that stuff. You, how, okay. you, know, you just have to pay somebody to haul it away. It, it's, you know, it is what it is, which is, you know, why the remodeling costs are, are you know, more costly than new construction. You you pay to tear things out. Right. Okay. Well, well thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, I'm sorry to rain on your parade, brother. But, again, uh, you're doing the right thing. Um, I honor you for, for taking this on. Um, what methods do you have to keep the water from coming back or the humidity from coming back in the basement? Yeah, that you know that, that was uh, going to be something that I tackled after I got all the other stuff taken care of. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I, yeah, I understand. You're doing the right thing, going about it maybe the right way, but it's a big, big job. 
Um, and even when we do that demolition, we set up a big fan. So once the asbestos and all the hazardous, nasty stuff's gone, when it just gets down to demo, you know, again, it's important just to protect the employees, too. So we have a big fan that, you know, pulls that out, that if any of that mold gets airborne, we just blow it outside where it started. So Okay. All right, Jerry. Good luck, my friend. Well, thanks a lot. All right. Bye now. Bye. Again, that's just it, whether it's asbestos, mold, um, any of those unhealthy things. And, and you know, I'm going to get up on my little stump a little bit. Um, mold is everywhere. Right now, you are covered with mold. I am covered with mold. Every countertop, street, leaf, stick, grass, everything is covered. That is mold is Mother Nature's magical you know, ashes is ashes, dust is it's, it's Mother Nature's way of turning us all back to the earth where we came from. Uh, so it has a really important purpose. There is no tolerable level above which is not safe because there are people that live down in Alabama, down in Florida, New Orleans, where mold is so heavy, so it's just part and parcel of living in that climate or maybe in the tropical islands where humidity is very, very high. Mold lives everywhere. Well, they may have a tolerance as a creature that, you know, they can handle tons of mold. Well, you know, then right next to them, the person standing next may have a much lower tolerance or higher. So there is no safe level of mold. There are just types that cause more problems than others. Uh, and it's something to take uh, seriously. But keep in mind, that's why you will never look up somewhere and find out. It's like CDC, Center for Disease Control, or, you know, health uh, department says this level of mold's okay, that level's not. But, it, you know, even here in St. Louis, we report in the news the mold levels. Uh, anyway, uh, 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120, anywhere on the globe. My name is Scott Mosby at your service here on KMOX. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. We are live and lively, and we have some phone lines open, revved up, ready to go. Let's see what's happening with my friend Nick. Hey, Nick, Scott Mosby, good afternoon. Hi, hi, hi Scott. Thank you for taking my call. I enjoy yeah. your show. Huh? Um, I, I'm cutting, uh, working in a central West End, a condo on the third floor. Uh, a vent from the air conditioner was condensating, of course. The ceiling then uh, became weak. I had to cut it out in the process of wanting to. Fix the ceiling. Of course, it's still condensating. I bought a uh, some type of insulation that was very thin and rubbery on one side was sticky, and it was uh, aluminum on the other side. Uh, in the process of putting that up there, I don't know. That's mold heaven. Once I close that back up, because I don't think that's going to stop condensating. Uh, you have, I well, I don't know what to do uh, to um, uh, to. I don't putting it back. Putting this fixing the ceiling. It's going to keep dripping, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I Believe me, I am intimately aware of exactly what you... Do you have ductwork up in the ceiling? Is that what you're saying? That, that, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Here's the ticket, and you're really not going to like what I'm going to tell you. There's only one way to fix it. Yeah. As long as you have cold metal touching warm, moist air, yeah. you will get condensation, just like the iced tea glass, the cold beer you know, can, the Coca-Cola, whatever it is, as long as you have a cold surface touching warm, moist air, you will have droplets of water forming on the outside of your ductwork. The ductwork has to be completely exposed 
and uh, and this is different than the condensate pan drain. That but that ductwork has to be completely enveloped, completely, mostly done by spray foam on all four sides, everywhere that ductwork is, and even where it comes to the ceiling for the supply registers. This is evidenced by, uh, for example, even if you get all the ductwork uh, covered with a spray foam where there is just no exposed area, this is like having a nose exposed at 60 below zero in, you know, Mm -hmm. the North Arctic. It will freeze the tip of your nose off in 10 seconds. Well, it will drip water in 10 seconds if you have Mm -hmm. an air conditioning. And the hotter it gets, the more the air conditioning runs, the colder that metal is, the more condensate. It will never stop unless you, you know, uh, insulate or isolate that cold surface from the warm Mm -hmm. air. Uh, All right. So basically, we rip apart everything, spray foam, everything. Uh, it, it is invasive. It's costly. It's a pain in the neck, and it won't stop if you don't do it. That's Right. And uh, if it does, I mean, there's mold, there's mold up there. And uh, unless that happens, the mold will continue, correct? Absolutely. Uh, because yeah. there's warmth, you know, it, it, by nature, it's going to be a warm area. Dark, it's dark. There's a food source up there of right. wood and building materials and such. And and right. then you add water and you have a petri dish to grow mold. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah just yeah. be aware. It's it's and that was kind of part of my last question with uh, with Jerry was okay. Once you get the construction, the correction done, you still have a source of water. This stuff's going to start all over, and you're going to spend this obscene money again. So make sure mm-hmm. you you know get the water controlled immediately. Right, right. But it's, it's yeah. for us, it's almost always spray foam to uh, close in and protect that metal ductwork. Uh, and and right. it's, a, it's a tough message to deliver because it's a, you know, that check has a lot of zeros behind those numbers. Right, right, right. Well, uh, I don't know if he's going to go that route. <laughs> well, it's it's it, understanding the concept is the first thing, and that's part of sure. the you know the mission of this show is here's what's happening. This is why it's happening. There may be another way to deal with this, but if you you know my message today isn't you know this is this or that. The, yeah. the message is you have to stop that water, or you fixed nothing. Right, right, absolutely. Thank you very much, sir. Good question, Nick. Thank you, my friend. All right. Have a good day. All right. Bye now. Again, so many things, you know, people say, oh, that guy's always talking about moisture or water. It's like, well, this is it. Um, if you have ductwork up in the attic, if you have any kind of exposed um, cold surface, uh, we see it in houses uh, that, you know, as the air conditioning runs, uh, even in bathrooms that really don't have a problem with the ductwork or behind the walls, you'll wind up with droplets on the supply registers for the air conditioning because in a bathroom you have very, very high humidity where shower and bathing, you know, washing face and all that stuff. There's high humidity in bathrooms. Well, you put an air conditioning supply vent in there and that piece of metal gets cold, even plastic that gets cold. You'll get water droplets, then those water droplets soak into the drywall around it or the floor material around it, and you just, you know, you you wind up with, you know, kind of an an issue. So the ductwork insulation and isolation for once it's up in an unconditioned space, which is, you know, attic or crawl space, uh, you will have water dripping. We've even had crawl space issues where crawl spaces stay very wet, 
because the ductwork is not insulated and it's outdoors. And, you know, you put uh, air conditioning down in a crawl space on a day like today with high humidity. Boy, howdy, you're going to have some real droplets and that water will stay in that crawl space if it's not properly ventilated, dried or dehumidified, whatever it is. Anyway, just understand the math on all of this. Uh, But uh, anyway, I want to thank Mark McClanahan coming in, Harvard Center for Housing Studies. Uh, He came in to talk about some of the research and and, uh, uh, report on some of those things from Harvard. Uh, He's been on that uh, committee for four years. It's a very, uh, very limited, kind of a heady group, if you will. Uh, I have not attended. Uh, anyway, I just find it interesting. Stay tuned. More on CAMOX. We've got a wonderful day coming up. Uh, cards on baseball here. University of CAMOX. See you next week here.